Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, Disha. Hey, Donnie. And welcome, everyone, to Ursa Short Fiction, the podcast where we geek out on our favorite short stories. I'm Donnie Walton, author of The Final Revival of Opal and Nev. And I'm Disha Filia, author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. As always, this show is produced with support from you. Become an Ursa member today by going to ursastory.com slash join. You'll get exclusive bonus episodes and you'll help fund future stories and conversations. Today, we're excited to share an audio excerpt from author Ruben Degollado from his 2022 novel, The Family Esquerdo. Our very own Disha Filial called it, quote, a revelation. Ruben Degollado's storytelling is as rigorous as it is intricate, intimate and epic. It brims with magic and spirit. A bold, beautiful debut. Today's audio story is called The Seven Songs. It's performed by Carolina Hoyos, and comes from the audiobook for The Family Izquierdo, produced by Blackstone Publishing. You can get the full audiobook at downpour.com. There's a link in the show notes. Disha, what else can we tell people about this story to tee it up? So Seven Songs, like Ruben's book as a whole, is really just gorgeously written. It's a mm-hmm. multi-generational story with a decades-old family curse at the hand of a neighbor at the mm-hmm. center of the story. And in Seven Songs, Dina, who is the younger Esquero daughter, is speaking to her daughters, and she calls them her poderosas, the powerful Mm -hmm. ones, because each of them has a strong religious faith and different miraculous gifts. And Dina, when we uh, encounter her at this, in the beginning of the story, she's telling them, or she's explaining to them why she's been living in this self-imposed exile and why and how she decided to break that exile. She believes that her daughter's strengths are stronger than the family curse and can win out over their bad Esquero blood. (laughs) Yeah. And what I love about Seven Songs, and this is the same thing with all the other chapters in the family Esquero, is that it feels like a piece of the whole novel, but it also operates Mm -hmm. on its own as a contained Mm -hmm. short story. And, you know, we get close to different family members and their specific travails in every installment and yet there's like this dna that runs through all these stories that tie them together into this novel so there's themes of faith and miracles like you said but also there's images that repeat so when you listen you'll hear about the grackles the birds that sort of watch and sing this strange song and ruben describes it like a rusty gate opening there's the fallout from the curse from brujo contreras who is <laughs> With a sort of like name. yeah i know sort of this dreaded dark figure throughout the book and then there's 
even like a reverence and a love for Selena, the pop star, mm-hmm. which is really beautiful throughout. And to this point of the novel, when we get to the seven songs, we've known Dina to be suffering from what seems like agoraphobia. But with seven songs, she gets a chance to tell her own story. And she emerges Mm -hmm. from it not having this phobia, this fear, but she emerges shining and brave. And it's just like a beautifully written and Mm -hmm. moving story. The whole book is just like overwhelming and, and stunning, very emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're finished listening, be sure to come back next week for our conversation with Ruben, which is a real delight. Without further ado, here's today's story, The Seven Songs. The Seven Songs. Zanate, Quiscalus Mexicanus. The Mexican grackle, or great-tailed grackle, is a bird that is native to Mexico, but is common along the border and throughout Texas. The males have a glossy blue-black plumage, while the females have an earthen hue. The zanate is distinguishable by its piercing yellow eyes and its wide array of sounds that alternate between high-pitched whistles, squeaks, croaks, clicks, a mournful cry that evokes a question that cannot be answered, and a sound that mimics a rusty gate opening between worlds. Pay attention, my poderosas. I need you to listen and remember so that you will tell this story to your children and they will tell it to theirs. This is the cuento of a brujo, the devil, and the sanates we think we know so well. You are ready for this, my daughters. Each of you, my poderosas, are living saints, too wonderful and beautiful for the anxieties and tribulations of this world, and you have overcome so much. I am so sorry I could not always protect you from your trials, but you are stronger because of them. This is why I call you my poderosas, my powerful ones. I share with you this story because the veil between what we see and what we cannot has parted for you. Now, let me begin. As you know, the time of my sequestering began with a dream, or what you could call a nightmare. My reclusion was not because of agoraphobia like you read about in your encyclopedia, Dianita or because I have bad izquierdo blood like your father wants you to believe. The origin of my being an ermitaña began with a terrible dream, and although it was not like the signs and wonders that visited your life, I find comfort in what every parent knows. We are to rejoice when our children do better than us. I only wish that you had not experienced the pain that preceded each of you receiving your miracles. I saw the devil in a nightmare, mis poderosas. It was terrible and ugly and will always leave a mark on me like a hidden wound. Like I said, these are not the signs and wonders I prayed for. I would like to say that I saw la Virgen like you, Dianita, or that I made a proclamation of faith like you, Teresa, with the evidence of levitation just like Santa Teresa herself or that I wished and prayed and fasted for the authentic stigmata of Padre Pio like you, Yesenia, only to discover that the prayer to see us all come back together 
was the true miracle worthy of sainthood, and you were a saint all along. Lamentably, these things were not meant for me. Even if the pesadilla I experienced was meant for evil, it was used for good, as I will share with you now. There is a happy ending in this, I promise. We could all use a happy ending, no? In this vivid nightmare that occurred in a shadow version of the old barrio, I saw El Diablo with the Brujo Contreras. As every izquierdo knows, he is the man that let his hatred and envidia for our family and all that is good poison his mind. Contreras appeared as he does in life. An old, overweight, balding man with thick glasses, nothing much to look at, and certainly not one you would think had the power to bring an entire family to their knees. The devil was an exquisitely dressed man with the left foot of a rooster and the right hoof of a goat. His suit coat and pants were black, with a blue that shined at different angles, like the feathers of the male zanates you see throughout our homeland. He had the handsome, unshaven face of a man. I'm not going to lie, poderosas. He looked a little like the actor Antonio Banderas. Don't act surprised I know who he is, mijas. No se hagan. I know you watch him in those cochinada movies when you go to the dollar movies with your cousin Cirilo. In Contreras' front yard, the devil stood face to face with the brujo. I stood on the sidewalk looking at them across the street through some branches, hiding behind some pink bougainvillea. I could tell they were conspiring or spreading chisme. They both kept looking over in my direction as they talked. I knew they did not see me, as if I were invisible and not fully in this realm of dreams or really well hidden by a neighbor's plantitas. The devil called up into the trees, and it was not the voice of a man that I heard. His voice was that of a flock of zanates, except the only sound was the terrible scratchy call they make, the one that sounds like a rusty hinge. Then I saw the zanates flying in and out of Contreras' mesquite tree. One landed on his wide shoulder, then another, and then another. He was not afraid of them, but laughed, as if they were children who were giving him cosquillas. Mijas, it's okay. I can see by your eyes that you are scared as I share this with you. You know that, thanks be to God, the Sanates have fled from our property, even though they are still out there in the world. Thanks be to you and your tias for getting me out of the house. As the Sanates landed on Contreras' shoulder one by one, he whispered something to them I could not hear. All I comprehended was that they were human words and not the language of the sanates that the devil could speak. And in my spirit, I knew that Contreras was whispering a curse for each izquierdo, for your papatavo who has been through so much already. Whether by blood or by marriage, there was something awaiting each member of the family, and the devil stood there, nodding in approval. When I awoke in the morning, the sanates had flown from my dream and had arrived in my life. They were in the trees around our house, and I could hear them beckoning me to come out. 
They wanted to fulfill their mission and utter maldiciones against me, cast their yellow mal de ojo over my appearance. Because they were extensions of Contreras' will, it was as if the brujo himself were outside calling to me. The worst fear for me was, I don't want to say it, but I will utter these words because you have to know. My poderosas, I worried that they would pluck out my eyes like the accusers did to Santa Lucia when they came to take her away. Remember her story, hijas. Even though they tried to take Santa Lucia away for refusing to renounce her faith, they found that she could not be moved and was as heavy as stone. And then when that didn't work, and her holy heaviness kept her there bien plantada, they gouged out her eyes. But what happened then, hijas? She could still see. That's right. Even though she was eventually martyred, no matter what they did, they couldn't take her down. In this way, mis hijas, I am like Santa Lucia. Contreras could not take me down, and he could not prevent me from seeing. He kept me in fear for months, and you all have been so patient with me. You and your tias never gave up. I could only leave the house with Marisol or Maggie for short trips in the car, but after that day when they came for me, I managed to do something amazing. I left the house today with your tia Marisol and went somewhere I never thought I would have the courage to go. Yes, poderosas, your tias made it possible, but I have to tell you, each of you inspired me with your faith and your strength. I was finally able to end my self-imposed exile. I put on my blue virgen's velo, not to hide my face or beauty, but to shield myself from the zanates giving me ojo and to show them that I'm a woman of the holy sacraments. I did this while you were at Abuelitas because it was something I had to do alone. As soon as your primo Cirilo picked you up, I equipped myself with symbols of your powers. From you, Teresa, I armed myself with your quinceañera corona. From you, Dianira, I took your first communion rosary. And from you, Yesenia, I chose your Padre Pio Scapular. I put them all in my purse along with holy water Marisol had given me and a vial of anointing oil from Maggie. I was confident God would protect me, that his angels would spread their wings in a canopy all around so that Contreras' bad intentions could not reach me through his intermediaries, the Sanates. When I heard Marisol honk, heard her blasting Selena on her car stereo with the windows open, and I walked out, I half expected to see the Sanates, hear the clicks and croaks ringing out against me, see their yellow eyes fixed on me. But no, Dios Todopoderoso, your tia Marisol and your tia Maggie, with their prayers of protection, had made sure that they would not return. Still, I prayed the presence of God, the all-powerful, and the blue veil would protect me from any evil intentions as I walked out to her car. If the Sanates were out there somewhere waiting to sing their songs against me, 
They would have no effect and would just bounce off of the protective barriers surrounding me, and their cursed voices would get lost between the sound waves of bitty bitty bum bum. If they tried to give me mal de ojo, it would make no difference. I was protected because I had something very important to do to help Papa Tavo, que Dios lo guarde, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You will see. Marisol just put that car in reverse and drove away in friegas, intent on helping me fulfill the task I had been given. No, I did not go to church, mis hijas. I had to go into the enemy's camp, the place of evil and idolatry of greed and charlatans, that den of vipers where I knew I would find the Brujo Contreras. We went to the flea market. Yes, the pulga, my poderosas. Your tia and I went to the pulga. I had her take me there because I knew it was where the curanderos sell their remedios and do limpias and read cards for people. This is where Contreras does his consultas and trabajos. I crossed myself as we went through the turnstile entrance. Marisol paid our 50 cents to the senora who looked at my velo and only raised her eyebrows a little, as if she had seen everything come through that gate. Even a woman with a pre-Vatican II head covering. People were all around us. Some stopped at stalls, looking at tools, machetes, wallets, belts, and clothes. No one seemed to pay much attention to us. We walked by the stalls of clothes resellers, the food and beer corner where they sell elotes and cucumbers with chile, chamoyadas, and micheladas. Though your tia Marisol wanted a corn in a cup, I convinced her to follow me to the covered booths where the more prosperous vendors had their businesses. This was where I would find Contreras. I think she was stalling, because even though your tia is brave in so many ways, she has always been afraid of conflict, not wanting to confront people when something needs to be said. Her coming with Maggie to get me to leave my exile took a lot out of her. As your tia paused there, I gestured that it would be okay. And she shook her head and pursed her lips because she knew I was using Papa Tavo's sign just to persuade her. What she did not know was that I was actually trying to persuade myself to move farther into the darkest heart of the pulga. Just as I predicted, he was in the central section of the pulga, the darkened indoor area where you could find air conditioning and mini shops with mismatched doors. I saw his sign between a hair salon and a TV video store, Contreras Consultas. Marisol said, Hi, sister. I just don't know about this. I opened my purse to her, then reached in and showed her your symbols of virtue, my poderosas, to give me courage. I held her hand, said another prayer, hoping that the angels would follow us into Contreras' store. A single sanate puffed out its feathers, blocked the entrance, and started to hop toward me, making its warning screech for me to go no farther. At first I froze, as I had never seen one so close, and here was one of Contreras' very own threatening me. As Manisol gasped, I found my coraje, pulled the chancla off of my left foot, and waved it at the sanate. 
I also reached for the holy water in case the sandal was not enough. Was it a regular grackle or one of Contreras' messengers? Either way, I was not going to let it stop us, and I would throw the chancla if I had to, or spray its eyes. The sanate must have been a regular kind and not one of Contreras' servants, because it flapped its wings and hopped out of my way. It did not utter a curse or keep its yellow eye fixed on me. And if it was one of his, the sanate got out of my way because the angels were with me. I looked at Marisol, crossed myself, and we walked through the door. I had never been inside a tienda botanica or a store for brujos. It was too much to take in at once, poderosas. I'm not going to lie. There were charms and amulets, statues large and small of La Santísima Muerte and Jesús Malverde, black and red candles, some in the shapes of men and women. Behind the glass counter on shelves under a sign that said listo were jars of dark things, decaying things, cursed things, floating in a cloudy liquid I knew to be urine. These were the enteros meant for burying, meant for ruining people's lives. The last thing I saw before I stopped looking around was two red canvas dolls tied together with red ribbon, a padlock piercing through the groin of one of the dolls. I figured it was an hechizo meant to bond two people together when only one person wanted to be amarrado. I had to look away. Marisol had her eyes on the floor and kept them there. She stayed by the door, and I beckoned her farther in with me, but her feet were planted on the floor. It was okay, because she had gotten me this far. I stroked her hand, looked for her eyes, and told her it was okay. I had never been this close to Contreras, but there he was, sitting in a chair at a card table, not even paying attention to me. He had his head down low, his eyes peering over the glasses on the end of his nose, reading those little vulgar comics from Mexico, those cochinadas the malcriados like to read, the ones with half-naked women on the covers. Cochino, I thought, even though I didn't want to be judging him. Contreras was much smaller than I had thought he would be, even smaller than he had appeared in my dream. He was bald, more gordito than I imagined, and had thick glasses. He wore a dark brown guayabera that was tight around his stomach. I checked his feet to make sure they were not that of a gallo or chivo. All I saw were an old man's huaraches stuffed with dry, crusty feet and toenails like wood chips, not the rooster foot and goat hoof I'd seen on the devil of my dreams. I pulled my velo closer to my face as if I could block the faint smell of patas and death and other things I did not know about coming from the shelf where the curses were awaiting to be planted in the ground. Without looking at me, his eyes still on the pages of his comic book, he said, Are you in the right place? I've never seen you here before. And why are you wearing a veil? This isn't Misa. Did someone die? Are you in mourning? There was a smirk on his face as he said this. I am a woman of God, and he is everywhere. And Misa is not the only place to humble yourself before him. And no one has died. Besides, someone doesn't have to be dead for you to mourn them, to mourn what you have lost. 
There were so many other things I could say, how, as my father slipped away more and more every day, I was mourning him. We all were. All these thoughts ran through my head just then, so I decided to just come out with it. I had to be brave and powerful like each of you. I had to speak up for these guerdos. In Spanish, I said, I am Dina Torres, but you know my family. This was the line I had practiced in my head all the way to the pulga. It wasn't much, but it was an effort. With this, he looked up at me, pushing the glasses up on his nose. Who is your family? It was not a question, my daughters. It was a statement, I could tell. And the way he spoke, Poderosas, so low and deliberate, his Spanish so superior to mine, like from the older time when there was no border and the river only had one name. I think you know, but I will tell you anyway. I am Dina Torres, daughter of Octavio and Valentina Izquierdo. I want you to leave my family alone. You have to stop cursing us. He didn't listen to me, Podrosas. It's like I had not spoken, even though I had said this as forceful as I knew how. Instead, Contreras said, I know you know that Izquierdo means from the left or left-handed. But did you know that to have the name of Izquierdo means you have always been cursed? In Latin, the word for on the left-hand side is ad sinistrum, which in Spanish is siniestro. That is another word for evil. It is the same in English. That is a curse in at least three languages. That is what you and your family call yourselves every day, what your brothers have painted on their van, as if this is something to be proud of. And you may be surprised to know I read more than these comic books, senora. All I am saying, Contreras, is that you have done what you wanted, and you can leave us alone now. My father is sick, and we have all suffered enough, each of us in our own way. You are a woman of the church, so I will tell you this, because maybe it is something you can understand. This can even be seen in the Bible, but it is always the lambs on the right and the goats, the ones who are condemned, on the left. I know you know about goats. He smiled and waited for my reaction. You will leave us alone. What surprises me is that you come here asking me to stop making hechizos against you when you have no proof. Only these suspicions because I was once your neighbor. And all along, your whole family, your father, your mother, all of your brothers and sisters have proudly been using the name of Izquierdo, calling yourselves condemned. And you somehow expected your lives to be anything more than cursed? You just want someone to blame. Well, you should blame yourselves. Blame God. Blame your father for raising malcriados. Blame your oldest brother for what he did to my daughter. Anything that comes to you and your family was started before I even knew any of you, if you only knew the half of it. Poderosas, I'm not going to lie. My strength was failing me, and doubt was starting to set in, and his words had me even questioning my father and brother and the way we were raised. I didn't know what else to say. I looked over at Marisol, hoping she had something to add, but she shrugged her shoulders and had nothing to say. 
I could hear the wings of the Sanatis flapping in the entryway, with their croaks and cries as they gathered there for me in expectation of us leaving in shame. Because I had nothing else, and because I know that people who do the most evil things can still love their children, I said, I know you had family, your daughter, sons, and your wife, that they rest in peace. And I know the only one you have left is your younger daughter. I am asking you this as a daughter who loves her father and her family, just like your very own daughter must love you. Contreras continued to look at me and said nothing. I turned to the door, defeated, knowing I had failed. I paused and looked through the small window at the Sanates gathering outside. As if he did not want me to leave so he could taunt me some more, he spoke a little louder and said, Did you know the Sanates have their own songs? Oh, I know about them, too, about the old stories of our antepasados. They sing the passions of our lives, sadness, anger, hate, and fear. They sing these for you, Dina Torres, of the Izquierdos. And by saying my full name, I knew he was attempting to proclaim his power over me, like the demonios did to Jesus when they asked him his name. And then the Holy Spirit gave me the words to speak. And as your tia Maggie says, I got a word of knowledge. I had Maggie's and all of your combined strength within me, my powerful ones. Even though Marisol was timid and said nothing, she was brave enough to be there with me, giving me strength too. And then I could also feel my mother's fuerza. Then it was like all your tias, Maggie, Melinda, Ana, Susana, Victoria, Elvira, and even Ophelia were all in the room with me and Marisol. I'll even go so far as to say I felt the strength of Santa Lucia, making me an unmovable force until I said exactly what he needed to hear. You forgot the other songs, Contreras. Just like that, I said it. He squinted at me, and whether he had never known or Satanás had clouded his mind, this was new to him. He opened his mouth as if to speak, but I interrupted him before he could. Yes, Contreras, I know our stories too. You're not the only one with ancestors who passed down our stories or even a library card. You didn't mention the other songs of the Sanates. You forgot courage, joy, and love, especially love. As the story of our ancestors goes, when the Sanates stole these songs because they had no voice of their own, they also learned the good ones. Do you see? They also learned to sing songs that brought good into the world. And there were seven songs in all, the number of perfection, the number of God himself. Contreras still could not respond, and whether it was because he didn't know what to say, or if the feathers of San Miguel Arcangel were covering his mouth, I'll never know. He kept licking his lips, inhaling as if he were about to say something, then spitting as if feathers were stuck between his teeth, but the words would not come. And then, my poderosas, I was even bolder, and now even the sanates outside the door were silent. 
Because now the flapping I heard was not the small wings of the cenates, but the angels hovering inside and outside, flapping their giant angelic wings as they were there going before me and behind me in this battle. What I said next was what he desperately needed to know, what I hoped would carry him through the rest of his days and bring him to a place of forgiveness where he could leave the hatred behind. For dramatic effect, as if I were a singer of old, like Vicente Fernandez taking off his sombrero, I removed my blue velo and uncovered my head. I let my hair fall free to my shoulders, got out your quinceanera crown from my purse, Teresa, and put it on. In spite of the spiritual battle we were in, I heard Marisol snort behind me, like she used to do when she was trying not to laugh in church. I turned to look at her, but she wasn't making fun. She was just laughing with me at how I was being so exagerada, doing something only Maggie would do. She nodded assuredly, as if to say, Dile, sister, you tell him what's what. You are loved, Contreras. And then, like a sinvergüenza on the streets or in a cantina, I was singing it, Poderosas. I was singing it to the tune of Lola Beltran's rendition of Tomás Mendez's Paloma Negra. I had her strength, too. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved of God. It was true, and it was not too late for him to know it. Then I felt Marisol's hand on my shoulder, and I thought she was trying to silence me, but no, Poderosa, she was encouraging me. Sing, Dina, sing. I was a woman with no shame, and I didn't care how many people at the pulga heard me as I opened the door and scared the sanates away with my singing voice, one that was louder than I ever used in church or when I sing along the Papatavo's records when I am feeling blue and want to think about better days. There, in Contreras' open doorway, I stood with Marisol's hand of support on me, Teresa's quinceañera crown on my head, and I gave the most passionate grito that would have won any contest, even once I entered years ago when I was much younger. A crowd was gathering, watching me with mouths agape, as I courageously sang my own irrepressible song of love. Although I was no Lola Beltran or Maria Felix or Linda Ronstadt, I was singing a joyful noise as the spirit gave me utterance. All Contreras or anyone could do was listen to my song of love, listen to my gritos louder than any sanate from legend or from this world or the one below us. <laughs>